0: Welcome into ATL Day Ones with Jarvis and Tanitra. Coming up on the, today's show, the Atlanta Falcons suggest say no.
1: And the team tried to make history last night in the Celtics, but they made history the other direction. But might that mean a reset in history locally?
0: And last but not least, and for the culture, how about this? We're going to recap our Memorial Day weekend. That's all coming up next right here on ATL Day 1. So let's go.
1: This is ATL Day 1s, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta. And it starts now.
0: I Wanna start off by saying thank you for making ATL Day Ones your first listener today. Remember, we are free and available wherever you download your podcast and wherever you download your podcast, make sure that you leave us a five-star review. We really appreciate that from you in advance. Wanna let you know that today's episode is brought to you by ATL Day Ones, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. But T, when you think about, you know, how free agents kind of hit the market, you know, how a lot of teams you know, start talking about, or the fans of the team start talking about, hey, what if we bring this guy in? And you know what? It seemed like the Atlanta Falcons fan base always wants to be a part of that conversation. So, hey, we're going to give it to him, right? Um, as much as it kind of burns my soul that we actually talking about it, but, you know, we're going to give it to you, people, because that's what we do. We serve you guys. We're here for you. Now, DeAndre Hawking got released last week, and obviously, a lot of people looking at the Falcons' offense is saying, you know what, they don't have a number two wide receiver. But I think that we need to start looking at this thing a little differently because we don't have labels on this team. We're talking about positionless football, right? We need to label these people as pass catchers, not necessarily wide receivers. And as far as pass catchers you have go, I'm going to name them all for you. Drake London, Kyle Pitts, John O. Smith, uh, Matt Collins, uh, Cordell Patterson, uh, Tyler Algier, oh yeah, Bijan John Robinson. So I think the Falcons are pretty good, you when it comes to adding another pass catcher to this room.
1: And for me, it's not so much about the positionless concept, if you will, on oh, offense. Yeah, yeah. It's about, hey, if we're going to go out there and get somebody who – cost the Arizona Cardinals $22.6 million in cap space. If we're looking to spend that kind of money, it's no, it's not going to be positionless. less. <laughs> it's going to be position full, as in add more depth. On defense. Yeah. Give me some more guys up front. There are some guys that are still out there who may be. And when I say that put you in the mindset of Calais Campbell, just meaning that they may not be that guy anymore, but they could still contribute on some level. If Terry Fontenot and Arthur Smith are going to go out and get a guy for that kind of money, I just really still want him to show up the offense, excuse me, defense. I think you're quite fine to your point on offense when you go down the list of individuals who brings something to the table that belies more than just their title. But I do think on defense, you can never have enough guys who can get to the quarterback. So again, if that's where the conversation is about potentially getting some free agents that are still out there, that may still contribute or who may for whatever reason, get cut maybe in training camp, but they still could be a good addition here for the Falcons. I'd rather the franchise wait. I'd rather the organization wait for that guy to show up on defense.
0: Absolutely. And another part of the conversation that a lot of people are talking about as far as like who's going to be that teams that are part, are part of the bottom of the division to make that jump because we have it happen there all the time, especially with the NFC South because it bounces around as far as who wins this bad boy because it's been pretty balanced, you know, as far as who's winning the division with the Saints and the Buccaneers and of course the Falcons have that had their run as well. And the Carolina Panthers you know, sprinkled in there too. So A lot of teams have been having those conversations about who's going to be able to make that jump from worst to first. And the Falcons are a team around the NFL they're starting to look at. Do you think this team can do that, T, based off of what the moves that they've made and and, and the type of conversation that we're having now? We're talking about getting a guy who got released, who's a high money guy, and the Falcons had money to spend. They spent it. So, hey, have they done enough to make that necessary jump? Yeah. Whether
1: you look at it from the perspective of the competition within the division or whether you look at it where the article that we actually saw or the tweet rather from Game Day NFL that talked that listed the eight teams and those teams included the likes of the Jets, the Browns, even the Cardinals, the Texans and the Falcons were at the top of that list. And I said, why not? Because I can't see any other team that was on that list who might make that jump that would supersede the jump that the Falcons can make to be that team that goes from worst to first. Right. right. So except maybe if you think about the Browns having a full year with Deshaun Watson, maybe yeah. I could you know, possibly see possibly, that, yeah. but the rest yeah. of the yeah. teams on the list, Jarvis, I was like, there's no reason that the Falcons shouldn't be at the top of a list of teams that goes from worst to first, whether you look at it from the perspective of those eight teams that were mentioned or the division, because like you said, they still went out and did what they were supposed to do from a free agency perspective, and if all we're doing, Jarvis, is looking at what all eight teams look like on paper, the Falcons stack up. The Falcons yeah. stack up quite fine with what the rest of those teams did in the offseason as well as what those teams did in the draft. So, yeah, I, I think that that the Falcons have... Definitely there to me, they're definitely a team that's viable to be at the top of the list of, you know, how at the end of every year, you kind of look and say, wow, which team made the biggest leap? Wow. Which team actually went from worst to first? I fully expect the Falcons to be able to have that conversation.
0: Absolutely. I think they're well into that conversation. All, all they have to do now is put on the pads. That's yes. kind of where I'm at right now. I've, like they've done enough on paper, I feel, to be able to compete for the division. And now they have to put the pads on and prove it. And that's kind of, and I feel when you when you at that that space, when you're in that space with this particular team, I feel like that is a good opportunity, it's a good chance that they can be in the conversation for this division midway to the end of this season. And I think that at this point, I really feel like they can move on. Now, last but not least, T, we got to talk about this. Michael Soroka makes his return to the rotation last night. T, when you think about August of 2020, over a thousand days since he was in the big leagues t he makes his return last night and from my eyeballs i feel like he did a a stand-up job last night
1: yeah and maybe even in the loss yeah yes exactly so we we're not taking away from the fact that that loss was a crap to bed situation because a team is on an 11 game losing streak and then you go and let them beat you seven to two didn't like that piece at all lucas lukey but oh i but if i compare but speaking of that if i compare the three run home run that michael soroka gave up to ryan Noda mm-hmm. in the fifth inning versus what lucas lukey did in the eighth i take the mike soroka three runs because what i liked about it is the bounce back in the sixth inning brian snicker Once again, at first I scratched my head. I was like, no, no, you know, don't make him go back in. He gave you five innings. Be good with that. But I like the fact that he sent it back because the point that he made post game was what I agreed with as well. He wanted to see what he was made of. So when you finish six innings and economical 83 pitches, you get three strikeouts and just a couple of walks. But more importantly, Jarvis, you get yourself out of an earlier jam and you come back in the sixth inning and you perform. Right. You perform. Give us a solid outing solid frame despite what you did in the fifth inning man the Braves really have to feel confident positive optimistic about what they saw out of Michael Soroka like you said for a guy who had not breathed an inning breathed a pitch got on the bump in the majors in almost three years really really liked what I saw out of him and the fact that he was out there striking guys out at 94 miles per hour I think that's that's a that's pretty nice speed and velocity there on the
0: ball yeah Absolutely, like you said, and I think that was the biggest point that made me smile last night as well. When he went through the third inning, and got out of that right, and then he came back in the fifth and gave up four runs, and I was just like, "Okay, please keep this guy in," because that's that's what you got, that's what you brought him in for, right? Because you want to see if he can help you out, and the fact that he came back in that sixth frame and and had a scoreless inning, that's all you, that's all you're looking for because you want to be able to not see the spiral, right? Because that's what happens when guys, who haven't been on the mound for so long. A lot of times when they go into those funks, they spiral out of control and, and they don't know how to figure out how to get their way out of it. But Vodka Soroka showed twice that he was able to get out of a funk and you know, if he got himself into it and you know, he obviously he gave up the four runs, but to see him come back in the six, I think that was really key to his development and let, let's, let's everybody know that, hey, this is something that he's gonna be able to do to help the Braves out. Now, speaking of helping out, I think last night, T, the Miami Heat, they helped out the Atlanta Hawks. We'll tell you exactly how they did that. But first, we gotta talk about Built Bar because it is the number one protein bar in America. So what are you waiting on? T and I, you see how we've been getting down? You, some of you haven't seen us in person. Y'all look how fine we are, you know what I mean? Bilt Bar has helped us accomplish that because it got 17 grams of protein, only 4 grams of sugar. So all you have to do, if you want to get yourself a Bit Bar, is go to built come because they got all the necessary flavors and everything you've been looking for. And, and if you're tired of ordering from online, you're trying to get out the house and you're trying to get rid of this pandemic low that we've been in. And yeah, I think it's still going on, but it may not, we don't know. Well but you're trying to get out of that funk, right? You want to go pick it up in person? How about this? Go to Walmart and get a four bar box. Or if you like me, you want to get the big boy box and you want to have a, a nice little supply because you know, hey, you've been getting your workout on. All you got to do is go to sam's club because guess what guys it's the number one protein bar in america and you should get on board just like we have
1: 151 teams tried it mm-hmm. nobody was able to get it done the celtics really drivers had the best chance because there were four teams in the nba's history that were down 0-3, got it to game seven such Celtics were the only ones who were able to get it done at home or try to get it done at home, but could not as the Heat found a way to beat them yet again. 103-84, the final season low for the Celtics in a decisive closeout stay or win stay home game. Yeah, You spent almost 365 days, almost the second after the NBA Finals closed out in 2022, talking about how you wanted to get back to this point, but you couldn't. And I feel like it was one of those, you know, you see the meme sometimes online where it just uses the greater than sign or the less than. And all I could see was Eric Spolstra is greater than Joe Missoula because a lot of it was, yes, the Heat players, both their superstar and the role player stepping up to the plate. But also it was about a coach that after game six told you, I don't know how we're going to win, but we are going to win this game. And they actually, yeah, Miami showed up and did exactly what they said they were going to do. But. We know that the more serious thing for Hawks fans were, hmm, so how Jalen Brown doing? Uh, what's the commentary around whether or not he'll be <laughs> returning to that team next season, or does the, does the Hawks franchise really have a crack at getting him as the Celtics franchise tries to determine what they need to do to get over the hump? But before we go there, Jarvis, one of the things I wanted to ask about, specifically Celtics Heat, is when I looked at that game, The Celtics overall reminded me of one thing. Are the Celtics kind of like your throwback Bills? A team that went to four straight Super Bowls and could never get it done? That's what the Celtics feel like to me. They feel like the team that's always going to get there. They're always going to be in the mix, whether that's Eastern Conference Finals or NBA Finals. But I don't know if this team ever has what it takes with the mental fortitude, the basketball IQ, or the intestinal fortitude to get it done.
0: Yeah, I I wholeheartedly agree. The way they're currently constructed, I don't think they're going to be able to get it done. Because here's why: at the end of the day, they just basically throw it out the throughout the whole uh, point guard position. Like we don't need one. All we need is a whole bunch of athletic wings and guys who can shoot the three ball and and play defense, and, and we can get it done. And that's proved to not be true. Because at the end of the day, like this team shoots the threes regardless of what you know, of how they're doing it. I know it's a lot of times, you know, they tell guys the mantra nowadays is to keep shooting, keep shooting, keep shooting, keep shooting. But for me, I don't like that mantra because in the playoffs, you know, you basically, basically depending on whether or not you got it or not. And then they didn't have it last night to start the game off. So it, it is just a, I, that's why I feel like the whole Eric exposure piece comes into play, right? Because. He has those co- the coaching acumen. He has the respect of his players. And I and, and Joe Missoula is the opposite of that. I don't think he has the coaching acumen. Now, I'm not saying he will never be a, a, a solid coach. Right. But I am saying that he has some growing to do from that standpoint. And then it's from a respective player's point, like you can see Jason Tatum, not necessarily in this game, but the uh, previous games and, and games throughout this entire playoffs. They ain't really listening to him like that. They don't, I feel like he doesn't have the command and respect that those guys um need from their coach or they need to give to their coach in order for them to get the job done. So I think overall, the way it's constructed, I don't think they're gonna get it done. And I think that they are a kind of like a throwback team of how teams used to get championships done. Hey, load up with all the talent and y'all can figure it out. I don't think that's necessarily the case. Last night proved to me that you can have a couple of guys that are considered superstars or stars in the NBA and Bam Adebayo and Jimmy Butler, but you can have some guys that are developmental pieces that have you brought in. You coach those guys up, so to speak, and you can get the job done that way. Now, if Spolstra and this team are going to be able to get it done in the NBA finals, that's a whole nother conversation. Yeah. However, I think Hawks fans should have some resolve, should have a little piece to say, hey, you know, might not necessarily need the whole three-superstar thing to get it done. Yeah,
1: and that's a team that you beat. The Hawks beat the, the Heat, and the yes. Heat had to find their way back like in. Like, they drove you know, them. And Like, there first, wasn't
0: those, like, was no – like. they beat the ball. They beat the crap out of them. Yeah, yeah they really did. I mean, they really did. And then. you think
1: about the Hawks and what they were able to do in – I think the Hawks, low-key, probably were the Celtics' worst enemy in more ways than one. Yeah, you got two games out of them, but what you really did was you woke up the sleeping giant in the Heat. I think yes. that when the Hogs beat them, they said, wait a minute, we should not be resting on our laurels. And it's like every single person stepped up. And that made me think about something else that you mentioned. One of the things that made Eric Spoelstra so confident is because he knew, yeah, Duncan Robinson, you have done a disappearing act, but I'm going to expect you to show up game seven, no questions asked. And he right. did. Got him mm-hmm. 10 points. Caleb Martin, mm-hmm. keep being the Caleb Martin that you you are. If Joe Missoula is not going to game plan for you, Keep doing you. Okay. And yeah. so that's what I loved as well. Almost and that could me think about MVP, Jalen Brown.
0: Caleb he, was the, he, was almost, he was almost the conference finals in He was almost the conference finals exactly. MVP. That's why I no, said, say it no again votes. for it. <laughs> yeah. not, the,
1: not the superstar. There would have been a good argument <laughs> yeah. for the role player, the undrafted free agent role player who was able to help the Heat get over the hump. So you, right. but you look at a guy like Jalen Brown, right? And not mm-hmm. to say that he didn't take something away from Joe Mazzulla and even from Ime Udoka. But on the same token, I wonder about a Jalen Brown being under somebody like, say, a Quinn Snyder and whether or not you could get something different out of him. So here's the thing. Stat line-wise, his numbers look virtually the same with DeJounte Murray's, by the way. They're right. both shooting around 34% from three. Dejounte's well, Jalen's a little better from the field, 49% versus 43, and then when you look down 45, you look down the rest of the stat line, it's virtually the same. But Jarvis, what if... And it would be a it would be an interesting lineup because you might have to decide if you want a Dejounte Jalen backcourt. Just saying, because I mean Dejounte and Jalen are essentially the same; they they play the same position. Right. How would you figure that in? And do you think that that's a road that is viable? We're not talking contracts, guys. By the way, we're not because you know that's very complicated and convoluted when it comes to the NBA. Just theoretically, could a coach like a Quinn Snyder get Jalen Brown to put his talent? With his mental fortitude, his intestinal fortitude, and get him to be—I don't know if he necessarily has to be that guy, but maybe a true Robin. Like I'm gonna come in the paint and be Robin 95 percent of the time, and then at the times when I need to be Batman, I'm gonna be that because Quinn Snyder can get me there.
0: You to be to be honest with you, I now Brian Windhorst is reporting that have reported that both sides are gonna come to a contract deal, but I know that's that's, that's not what we're talking about, but. If this were a situation where the Hawks had the opportunity to get him, I really feel like you're going to have to choose between Trey Young or De- DeJounte Murray. I feel like that's the only way the deals are going to get done. But for the reasons I just mentioned, of them saying, hey, we don't need a punt guard, I, they need a guy that can set up an offense. Now, I know Jason Tatum's going to get the rock when it's crunch time. Get it? Understand that. However, throughout the game, to get your guys into a flow of a game, a flow of an offense. Like you need a good point guard. And I think that, you know, uh Trey now now, Trey Young ain't going nowhere. So I I'm essentially talking about DeJounte Murray. Yeah. Are you going to be willing to part ways with DeJounte Murray with one year one year left on his deal? And, you know, and of course, he's going to take a couple other pieces as well. And of course, maybe some draft picks to, uh, to get this thing done. But I really feel like in order for – that's the only piece that I feel like that would – Boston would be at least halfway interested, is that you throw a guy like uh, uh, DeJounte Murray into that that fold. And to be honest with you, I really wholeheartedly want to see – this Trey Young, DeJounte Murray thing yeah. work. At work. Yeah. I want to see what Quinn Snyder can do with a full offseason, a full season of, of, of coaching and that interaction and, and trying to build this team up. I want to see what that would look like. But I really only think that this get this deal gets done if they throw in DeJounte Murray to, uh, to make it work.
1: Yeah, you'd have to because you right. really have to give them – close the same for same if not more and you may have to have like you said have a dejounte murray and you may have to unfortunately you might not want to but you may have to consider throwing in I hate saying it out loud even, but in A.J. Griffin type. I'm just going to have to say it that way because I can't yep. say A.J. Griffin himself Damn. because the minute I saw that his dad got hired by the Bucks, I was like, I watched Twitter go crazy in Atlanta like, no, you will <laughs> not take your
0: – no, you will not. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> so no. Nobody
1: no, no, wants no, no, him gone no. because, like you said, I'd love to see – I know Quinn Snyder didn't give him a whole lot of play when he came on board, but I'd love to see A.J. Griffin year two and what that looks like. But I agree mm. with you as well. As much as I would love to see Jalen Brown, when you dig down into the numbers – and you dig down into what it would take to get him here, which would be the parting of DeJounte Murray. Are you really saying that you're okay with the Hawks parting ways to get the same guy? Because stat-wise, they're pretty much the same guy, but I might give DeJounte the edge in facilitating. So are you okay oh, sure. with yeah. giving him a way to get Jalen? Look at the stat line before you make that decision because I don't think it's as I don't think there's as much disparity Disparity as people would like to think there is and to your point what might DeJounte look like when you look at DJ in a full year with Quinn Snyder once Quinn figures out how to get these two people in place one more thing before we wrap up Jarvis I think too mm-hmm. that if best case scenario and of course we are pontificating big time right you keep DeJounte and maybe it doesn't work out Maybe Jalen Brown stays with the Celtics one more year and says, OK, we've done our Buffalo Bills thing one time too many. I'm out of here. Maybe you revisit it next year. You just never know what might happen. It's the NBA at the end of the day where, yeah, Brian Windhorse can be absolutely right about a contract being agreed to by the Seas and Jalen Brown. And then we're having this conversation next year about Jalen Brown saying, I told you all last season I wanted out. I still do. So, who we don't hope wants out is our everydayers. Never, ever, ever. Please, please stick around, on stick and stay with us because we love it when you guys come around. We know you want to talk to us about your Memorial Day weekend as well. What you guys do? Did you like pack a plate? Did you pack five plates when those people told you you could take food? You should have done it. That's what the everyday, that's what the everydayers are getting away from ATL Day ones and some conversation, real talk about who you think will be the potential to bring to the Hawks. On a team that could potentially be back in the conference finals, hopefully next year. Also, you come here to hear us talk to you about what we think about the Falcons as they go through their final week of voluntary OTAs and get prepared for minicamp. So, don't forget wherever you check us out on YouTube or wherever you get your podcast. Make sure you leave comments on YouTube and make sure you download us wherever.
0: get your podcast but t this is for the culture it is the intersection between sports entertainment the culture and sometimes whatever the hell we want to talk about because that's just how we get down into the show today is no different t when you think about like i mentioned the pandemic stuff early on and getting out of that funk and i feel like memorial day has helped me do that even more because We had to get down at the house. You popped up and came out and blessed us with your presence I hear it in um, Augusta. You know what I mean? Uh, (laughs) See, I'm starting to embrace it now, T. So, you know, flow with me here, right? You know, I'm I'm growing. I know I live far as crap (laughs) from the city. (laughs) That's why I couldn't
1: go to a cookout Monday. Because I was like, yeah, no. Douglasville on a Saturday. Conyers on a Sunday. No, no, no John's Creek on a Monday. Love my boy Deshante, but have to catch him next time. Yeah, that was that yeah.
0: was tight. Hear me with that with that text well I was like, my brother, I don't think I'm gonna be able to make it out. <laughs> but yeah, I appreciate the invite. But sure, yeah, we it went down. And one of the things that I've always really appreciated about, you know, um when it when these when these holidays roll around is the three ups family, food, and fellowship. Absolutely. And um, we were celebrating Kenley. You know, she got baptized on Sunday at the church. Yeah. So, you know, we had decided to have some people over, but the thing for me, T. You know, I ain't got a problem with it, but, you know, it is kind of funny when you when you kind of take a look at it. So, you know, we had a lot of food. And, you know, throughout the day, I'm telling people, I'm sprinkling in, hey, make sure you guys take a plate. Make sure you guys take a plate. And then, like, w- once we, you know, Tanae and I kind of settled down and kind of chilled out, and at the end of the night, we started looking at those pans. <laughs> things a little empty. <laughs> right. I was like, I, I I meant take a plate, but God no! Like I mean, you know, I mean take plates, a, take pants. Like <laughs> right. people took pants home. T. <laughs> oh my
1: God! And I real I, I tell you, it was the food was always so good at Casa La Davis. So I'm always that person who's like, oh, thank you, good, because I'm not cooking. So I'll take a plate, but I always try my best not to like overload it. So right, like right, it was right. very. Listen, people, it was a look. It was a conundrum at the right. point because I was like, okay, the macaroni and cheese pan really only has like two servings left in it, It really is kind of one and three quarters. So I was Mm -hmm. like, now, do I take the one and three quarters or do I not? But I went ahead and just took one because I was like, I'm sorry. I said, good home training just dictates that I cannot take that last three quarters. I just can't. Mm -hmm. And so that's where like how my mind goes. And then like when, you know, I got the brisket or whatever, I was like, okay, I'll let you decide, you know, how much I'll put on the plate course, and my baked yeah. beans and all that. And then, of course, my friend, he wanted salmon. so he was because yeah doesn't eat, you know, beef or pork. So I was like, all right, yeah. fine. You know, I'll get some salmon for him, which, like I told Tanae, straight lifesaver. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks to the Davises yeah. for yeah, yeah, making the course. evening just right with the salmon. <laughs> but yeah. I, I don't know. Just the way I was brought up, you just kind of don't. Take, like I don't care if they keep telling you fifty thousand times to take every single thing. Like you were trying to make me take half the cupcake tray, and you know I'm a cupcake fiend. I'm like, I'm like, yes, I really plate. wanted all the. I really cupcakes. meant that now.
0: Like I really meant that because we but have I one do left it. now. Yeah, yeah.
1: No, no. Home training, man. Just home training.
0: Sorry. I like how you put that home training plate discipline. You know what I'm saying? Like home training plate discipline. Exercise that, people. Like don't be going over folks' house. You know, Knowing that they got a whole bunch of food, and even if they tell you, yeah, go ahead and drop that bad boy and go get as many plays you want, still show some discipline, show some restraint. Because you know, to, even though today and I we were saying like we are, it's all good, we understand, like you know, what I'm saying people want to have a little extra plate, you know, ain't got to go nowhere because we did it on Sunday, so you know, people don't have to feel like they have to go out on a Monday because they can kind of take it easy and take the day in and all that cool, cool stuff, but yeah, have some. Home, training, plate, discipline. I absolutely love that. T, I appreciate you on that. <laughs> well, you never
1: know. We might have some more weekend shenanigans to talk about tomorrow, but I know what we will talk about, and that is the Braves. Hopefully, bouncing back with Bryce Elder on the bump tonight. And Travis, you never know what the fallout is going to be from the NBA Finals. The rumors are going to start to bound. And if there are rumors that relate to the Hawks, you guys know we're going to talk about it tomorrow. So make sure you come back and check out ATL Day Ones because you know where to get all your T in the A.
0: Absolutely. And one more thing before we get out of here, make sure that you guys share love, show love, and most importantly, spread that love.